All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. It took almost, what, four and a half months of the season, but we finally have a big trade to talk about. So let's get into it with the lead. Let's go live from the Sports Closet studio. It's Oilers Nation every day. Check them out, sportscloset.ca. I see CD locals in the chat saying, I want to get a jersey every time I see the Sports Closet logo. I got to stop being so lazy and head down there. And how about this jacket as well? Like this vintage reverse retro thing. Tons of reverse retro gear available at sportscloset.ca. Three locations in the Edmonton area as well. Check them out on their website. We are live on the Nation Network YouTube as well as the Oilers Nation Twitter and Facebook. And Sergeant Battle is in with the first comment. Is it safe to say Blockbuster yet? I need Frank's approval. And you know what? I think it is safe to say Blockbuster. Yesterday, about mid-afternoon, the Canucks and Islanders hook up for a big trade Liam was the first one in our office to notice the tweet. And he said, whoa, the Canucks just traded Horvat." And then I said, I think that's probably a fake account, Liam. It was not. This is a big deal. Um, I, I honestly don't get it from either side, Liam. Uh, for me, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, why did you want to get more expensive on the wing? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, Anthony Bavillier is fine, but he's... To put it in Oilers terms, like a more expensive Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, Atu Radu is also fine. Think of him as a lesser version of Dylan Holloway. The 2023 first round pick being top 12 protected this year. I don't really see how that helps the Vancouver Canucks. But the interesting part is that if the pick is protected this year, it's fully unprotected next season. So maybe that's why they were willing to do that. Um, from a Canucks perspective, I just feel like they didn't really get enough to justify jumping the market and moving on from Bo Horvat this early. From an Islanders perspective, uh, Lou Lamorello, you are not in the playoffs. So maybe going and spending three assets on a rental centerman isn't the best idea in the world. And listen, it's not like the Islanders are one point out of the playoffs. No, they're two points back of the Penguins three points back of the Capitals, but they've played 52 games. That's tied for the most in the conference. It's not like there's any sort of games in hand thing that they they have a chance to make up ground in a hurry. It's the exact opposite of that. They have to jump Buffalo and Pittsburgh or just Washington and Buffalo, whatever. They need to jump two of those teams in the East without significant games in hand. 
I don't understand this deal from either side. What did you make of it? Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. I'm not used to being in this position, Tyler. I don't know what to look and what to do with my hands and everything. But mm -hmm. for the hockey trade stuff, I think that it was weird that it happened when it did. Like, I don't know why they wanted to move on so quickly from one of the prize assets of this trade deadline. Like, I feel like something else could have been bigger from this. I guess what this does do, though, from an Islanders perspective is if they kind of fall off the race, they can still move Bo Horvat, right? If they truly wanted to. But that is yeah. an option for them. Is that the play? I don't know. But I don't know. I could also see like Beauvillier maybe getting moved on as well from Vancouver. So maybe that's another piece of this is like Vancouver just wants to get this deal done so then they can get more assets for Beauvillier maybe in a couple of weeks or so whenever the deadline is. But the first round pick, top 12 protected seems large considering where the Islanders are. But if that goes unprotected, like you said, like it's unprotected for the year after. But if that was like top five, you would kind of get it. But I don't know. If To me, it's just a very interesting trade. I feel like Vancouver could have waited this out overall and probably got a little bit more. I don't hate it, but I don't love it, I guess is a good way to put it. Actually, Aaron, can we flash back up the Bo Horvat career stats here? Look at this. This is a guy who is having the definition of a contract career year. Last year of the deal, and he explodes with numbers that he's basically really never put up before. Mm. He's already matched a career total in goals, even though it's only been 49 games played. He's getting close to his career high in points with, again, still 33 games to go in the season, or I guess now that he's going to Long Island, it's 30 games to go in the season. I don't view him as a guy who's going to be worth eight and a half to $9 million. If the Islanders are going to re-sign him and convince him to not go to market, it is probably going to take somewhere from eight to nine million dollars. Yeah, he's he's young-ish. You know, he's still got probably some good hockey left in front of him. But this isn't a guy who you can count on for 45 goals a season. And I think the or even 40. This might not be a guy you can count on for 35 goals a season moving forward. I get he does a lot of other stuff. He's a leader, he brings those intangibles, he's an all-situations player. That's great. The Vancouver Canucks over the offseason offered him the Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal. Okay. Now he's earned three plus million dollars more because of a good four months. There's two ways this plays out for the New York Islanders. Either they give Bo Horvat what he wants on an extension and they keep him long-term. And that's pretty much, they, they have to do that if they want this deal to be a win, but then you're overpaying Bo Horvat. You're tying up way more money which you don't even have. I'm looking at their contracts that are coming off the books next year. Like the Islanders are already in cap hell. They have a project. They've projected for 16.2 million bucks against the cap next season. You're going to burn eight and a half of that on Bo Horvat. And you need a backup goalie at that point. You're going to potentially have to re-sign Scott Mayfield, but I guess you're letting him walk at that point. And guess what? You do all that and your roster is still old as hell. Your roster stands score that well. Because again, Bo Horvat is fine, but this is a career year and they're going to sign Bo Horvat based off the career year. I think for the Islanders, it's not a good move. The other way is what they let Bo Horvat walk at the end of the season. Even if you make the playoffs, you're not going on a run if you're the New York Islanders. So you what gave up all this stuff to get one or two rounds of, a, of the playoffs. I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense for me from. I don't think it makes sense from either side here. And the Canucks GM comes out and goes, we feel like we got three first round picks. No, you didn't. Atu Radu <laughs> is a second rounder who's played 12 NHL games. Anthony Beauvillier is 25 years old. The guy's not getting you a first rounder even if you flip him. I don't know. Egan says, do they sign and trade Horvat? That wouldn't even make sense. You wouldn't even get the value from that either. So I don't know why... Lou Lamorello felt the need to jump the gun here with this deal. I mean, I guess he's going all in, but that that pick being unprotected next year, I think could end up hurting them the way Florida's pick could end up hurting them this year where they left it unprotected and traded it to Montreal. Yeah, it's weird how GMs can't read the situation of their team. Like it's it's fairly obvious that the Islanders, even with a bowl hole, that is still a couple of pieces away from contending for the Stanley Cup. And like you said, they're not even in a playoff spot right now. They're in a very difficult division. I know it's only two points, but like you said, they've already played the most games in the NHL. Like it just doesn't doesn't seem that logical to go out and do it. Um, 
again, maybe they trade Horvat, but even if they sign him, like go the other way and sign him, like they can't afford half the players on the roster anyway. So it's just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense from, from that angle now that we talk about it a little bit more here, but there's the standings like, yeah, two points out of a playoff spot and there's Pittsburgh, New York, the devils and Carolina all ahead of them. Yeah. You guys got some interesting comments in the nation network, YouTube chat, hit the like button there as well. Um, Tyler Mulek is big sad that we can't get a combo Bo Horvat Luke Shen trade. Yeah, sure. I feel that. I feel that. I know you wanted it bad. Uh, Dr. Gonzo, here's a take. The Islanders end up too far back to be in the playoffs, have to trade Horvat. Kenny Holland does a big brain play and brings him in with even more salary retained. So if the Islanders kept half, they all of a sudden have a Bo Horvat trade asset that's only two million bucks. Like maybe, but I don't think Lou does that. Lou's stubborn. What would you, what, if that hypothetically was available to the Oilers, you could get Bo Horvat at 50%, whatever it is now. I don't know, whatever it works out to be. What would you hypothetically give up for that? I think I would give up quite a lot for that, to be honest. Yeah, I would probably move Pugliarvi and the first. And I don't know if I would move much else, if I'm honest, because I think, and this ties into my second topic, Liam, what does this say about the trade market right now? So again, mm-hmm. kind of putting this thing into Oilers terms, the best free agent or the best rental centerman on the market is Bo Horvat. He goes for a protected first round pick, a middle of the lineup kind of tweener. He's a middle six forward is Anthony Bovillier, who's overpaid and a B plus level prospect. So at best, at, yeah, I, th- I think B plus is fair. I think there's a lot of scouts who are high on him. He's a centerman. Sure, we'll call him B plus. So from the Oilers' perspective, they gave up the equivalent, in my opinion, of a Yamamoto slash Puliyarvi, a first, and Reed Schaefer. I think is maybe a yeah. decent way to put it. I mean, Reed Schaefer is a, the 32nd overall pick. I think calling him B-plus is, is probably fair at this point. So that's the package for the best guy on the market. So what does a guy like Jonathan Taves end up going for? He's not having nearly the season Bo Horvat is. Granted, he comes with the championship pedigree. I think whatever team acquires Taves isn't doing it with any idea of re-signing him. So that hurts his value a little as well. Jonathan Taves also kind of controls his future with where he will and won't wave to go. So that's another thing to consider with this as well. Bo Horvat didn't have that luxury. So does Taves go for man, a second and a B-minus level prospect plus a cap dump? Like, I think you could, after seeing Horvat, if we believe Horvat actually sets the market, does Taves go for a second and pull Yarvi? Maybe a little I, bit more to keep the money, but... Yeah, I mean, you're right, though. Like, that. what does it say about what all the teams were thinking a couple of months ago, right? Because we were just, I believe we maybe spoke with this or Franco speculated ourselves. Like, teams wanted so much because everybody wanted to buy because everyone kind of believed. And then the sellers were licking their chops thinking, oh, we can get so much. And now here we are with yeah. all Horvat going for that value. Like, it looks good for the contending teams. And if, if you're Ken Holland, like you said, like, you're probably on the phone with Jonathan Taves, uh, I guess, Kyle Davidson trying to find out what it's going to cost to get him. And if it's only a second round pick and someone to make the money work, then why aren't you doing that? I guess the most difficult part would be trying to find that third party to make it so that the money works out well enough for the Oilers to go and get a Jonathan Tapes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and that'll be the tough part as well. And Tyler Mulek said, you need that third team in there to uh, to retain. Someone else said, if this was Horvat to the flames, would we be reacting differently? And I mean, my point would be they both have drastically different chances of making the playoffs. Like, mm. this is pretty damning. Moneypuck.com has the Islanders at a 12.1% chance of making the playoffs. They have the Flames at an 82.7% chance of making the playoffs. So that is very, very different. Horvat obviously increases those odds. And if you win two or three games in a row when Horvat jumps into your lineup, then yeah, maybe you're up at 30-ish, 35%, but that's still not great. And you still need a lot of good stuff to happen. The Flames at least are closer. So if they would have made the deal, I would have been like, ah, I get it. If the Penguins would have made that deal, even if the Panthers would have made that deal, I would have been like, I get it a little bit more. I just look at that Islanders roster and I'm so underwhelmed by what they throw over the boards, considering how expensive that forward group is. Their blue line is like their blue line's fine, but it's it's not great. They have Ilya Sorokin, who wins them a lot of hockey games. One of the best goalies in the NHL. If they make the playoffs, Sorokin's got a hell of a heart trophy case as well. I'm just, it's still a head scratcher for me. It, it, I don't know. I, I think Lou could have waited two weeks to see where his team was at. I understand the value in jumping the gun a little bit here and getting a guy in your lineup as soon as you can. But this just isn't an Islanders team that I think should be going all in. And if you have a GM who is just consistently going all in because, hey, he's getting to the end of his career and he just wants to build a winner, I think you need to fire that guy. Like, I just don't know how you can have him sit in the GM spot. And this isn't like, he's an all-timer. He's a Hall of Famer, right? But if right now he's just running this, like, I'm going to trade everything because I keep wanting to build a winner, you're, you're just going to screw the franchise in the long run. Yeah, and I, I guess to some Islanders' credit, Bo Horvath doesn't make them worse. That's for sure. Like, no, they no, obviously got They got better there. And also the teams that you listed, like you said, like someone said in the chat, I can't remember the name, but like, if this was the Flames, it's like, well... The Flames made the playoffs last year. Florida made the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Penguins made the playoffs. The Islanders missed the playoffs with essentially the exact same roster that they came into the season with. Like, was it weren't they the team that didn't do anything? Like they just basically mm -hmm. signed re-signed players, right? So it's just like you're running it back of all these guys who couldn't get it done last year. It's just a very odd move. I guess my question, Tyler, is what do you think the next step for Vancouver is now? Do you think they just continue to blow it up with everyone? Like there's rumors of Demko going now, obviously Luke Shen's on the block, like Brock Besser, I believe has a trade request out there. Like that team is essentially, they don't want to call it a rebuild, but it's 100% a rebuild. Yeah, it's, it's trending that way. Brock Besser's got two more deals at, or two more years at 6.6 .6 million. I think unless you're willing to keep money, you're going to have a really hard time moving on from Brock Besser and getting like really good assets. Like you'll get something for him. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I don't like that contract at all. Um, like next season, they're going to have Pedersen at 7.3 Besser at 6.6 .6, JT Miller jumps up to eight mil Garland at 4.9 Anthony Beauvillier at four Kuzmenko jumps up to five and a half. So they're going to have six forwards making five plus million or four plus million dollars. And I would argue one, two, three, four of them are like bad overpays. I think Miller's an overpay. I think Besser's an overpay. I think Beauvillier's an overpay as well. Granted, Pedersen and Kuzmenko are maybe bargains and that balances it out a little bit. But I think they're going to keep looking to move on from pieces this year. The problem is like Luke Shen is their only pending UFA that'll have any ounce of value. Outside of that, you're dealing with Tyler Myers, who's got an extra year on his contract. You're dealing with potentially Connor Garland, who has three more years, and Besser, who has two. So I don't even know really where the Canucks can go from here. Like, 
you're not, this was your big trade chip and you traded them a month and three days before the deadline. That's surprising to me. Yeah. Okay. So what day is the trade deadline? The third or fourth of March. Okay. So when do you think the Oilers strike? Like when, if you had to give a timeline, do you think it's like, we'll call the trade deadline like two or three days before. So whatever that is, the early start of March to like just after the all-star break, when do you think the Oilers make their first move? Whatever it may be, trading away a player, bringing someone in, yeah. small, whatever. I think right around Feb 12, when Yamamoto is eligible to come back, mm. I think we'll see a move that's either Pugliarvi or Fogel getting dealt to clear up some some cap space. I think that's the first one that's coming. If we're talking about an addition for the Oilers to make, I, I don't think you should be holding your breath until about a week before the deadline when things will start to get serious because I do think they'll want to wait and see kind of how the market plays out here. We obviously have things a little bit more set right now. We know what Bo Horvat went for. And I think every GM that's a buyer is going to be going to the teams with going to be going to Kyle Davidson in Chicago and Armstrong in St. Louis and saying, Hey, Bo Horvat's on a 50 goal pace, 60 goal pace. Potentially he got a average roster player, a first and a B plus level prospect. You're taking the average roster player. You're not getting the prospect. I don't think those GMs are even going to potentially get a first round pick. So the market will be fascinating to watch. And we'll see like if a few more teams fall out of the race. Like I think St. Louis is done. I can't see them doing anything but sell. Nashville, I think, will kind of stand pat. But in the West, like you have St. Louis, Vancouver, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, and Chicago. Six teams that are going to be selling hard. Okay, mm -hmm. that means you only have 10 teams that are even considering being buyers. I don't think Seattle's going to be that aggressive. I'm not sure if L LA's might not be involved in the centerman market. So that kind of takes them out of competing with Edmonton in any sort of deal. I don't know how hard the Flames can afford to buy with their limited cap space and limited assets they can move out. So I guess they can move on from Shillington, who's in the player, uh, the who or who's on a personal leave. But in the East, you have Columbus, Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, Philly. Five teams that are definitely going to be selling to some extent. Right now, there's eleven sellers. We'll see if a few more end up falling back a little bit and and make that decision. Like if Nashville has a bad three weeks, they're going to be selling. If Florida has a bad three weeks. They'll be selling. Lord knows what Lou Lamorello is going to do. The Buffalo Sabres, if they have a bad three weeks, they could end up being sellers. There's a few more teams that you're kind of waiting on that could still, to some extent, shape the market a little bit. So we'll see. It'll be a fun yeah. few weeks on the show, Liam. I'm curious to see the defensive market. We obviously, Bo Horvat kind of dictates the forward, but like, how does the defensive market kind of figure, figure into this too? Because... By the sounds of it, every player out there wants every team out there wants a first round pick for their defenseman. So mm -hmm. we'll see how that one kind of falls as well once that first domino crashes. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point as well. Um, all right, we have some fun to do here, but first I got to give some love to Star Mechanical. Check them out, StarMechanical.ca, one of Edmonton's top new home plumbing installers for the past twenty four. There are 20 years. If you need 24-7 emergency service, you can give them a ring. 780-481-8873, starmechanical.ca. I put out the call on Twitter earlier today, and I said, hey, send me your best trade ideas. And I want to grade them live. So I didn't even really look at them that much. I just told Aaron to go clip a bunch that are interesting. And we're going to give our thoughts on them live kind of on the stream here. If you have a trade idea that you want to drop in the YouTube chat as well, feel free to do that. And maybe we'll get to a few of those as well. But Aaron, let's go. What do you got first for us? Throw it up. This one comes in from Drew. Arizona trades Jacob Chikrin and Nick Bukestad to Edmonton for Warren Fogle, Yessa Pugliarvi, Raphael Lavoie, a 2023 first lottery protected, okay, and a 2023 third. So right off the bat, you got to make sure the money works here. Chikrin is sitting at 4.6. Bukestad is sitting at 900. So you got 5.4 coming in. You have Pugliarvi and Fogle coming out. That's 5.7. So the money actually works on this deal. The Oilers save a little bit. That'll make life easier for them down the stretch. The talk is that the Coyotes want three assets for Jacob Chikrin still. 
So in this deal, I think Fogel is not much of an asset. He's a cap dump. Pugliarvi is a small asset. Raphael Lavoie, I mean, every organization in the NHL has two or three Raphael Lavois. I don't think he has as much value as some Oilers fans like to think. So now you're looking at a 2023 first and a 2023 third. That's not even enough to get you Chikrin. This package you've thrown together here, that just flat out does not get you Jacob Chikrin. Never mind Nick Bukestad, who I could see him going for a third or fourth all on his own. So this one, Liam, I'm going to give a grade of D. That gets a D. Also, I hope you all like the uh, artwork on these letters, but that gets a D from me, Liam. What, what say you? I will probably give it a D as well. I think it's more likely if you replace Chikram with Shane Gosta's bear is more likely to fit away for Arizona. I don't know if they even want a Warren Fogel or whatever, but I like Nick, yeah. the Nick idea of Nick Bustad. 900K, I think he's at, right? And like, I don't know if you'd have to give up a first round pick to get him. But yep. yeah, like you said, like a three or a four. I, sorry, I meant with Shane Gostaspar as well. Maybe oh, you're yeah. looking at a second and like a Pugliavi and maybe a pick uh, prospect somewhere. But yeah, I, I just don't see that one happening. And honestly, I don't think the others want Chikrin. I think there's been numerous times the others have been yep. able to go out and get Chikrin along with the other 30 teams in the NHL. I think Arizona values him so high where the rest of the league just doesn't see him that way. Yeah. Um, the other thing with Bukestad that you need to remember is you can sit there and look at his offensive numbers and be like, hey, he's got 21 points in 50 games. That's solid. You also have to remember he plays more than 15 minutes basically every single night in Arizona. So is he like he without that ice time, what kind of offensive production are you going to get from Nick Bukestad? I don't think a ton. He's like Derek. He's a better Derek Broussard in terms of his fit. The fact he's a right shot centerman makes him an interesting fit. Six foot six. He's got that size. I like him. I don't love him. If it's Bukestad at 50% retained for a fourth round pick at the deadline, sure, sign me up. But this big package, I, I just don't necessarily love it. Uh, Aaron, you got a second one for us here? Yes, you do. Brad is in. Joel Edmondson for Yessa Pugliarvi and a first cap retained if required. So that's a pretty big question mark in terms of the cap retained because, you know, they'd probably have to keep 500K to make the money work this year. So let's say Edmondson, 500K retained for Pugliarvi and a first. On the realistic scale, if I'm grading off, is this a move that could potentially happen? Yeah, it could. I think it's, you know, like a B plus on the realistic scale. This is probably what it would take to pry Joel Edmondson out of Montreal. Do I like this trade? No, I don't understand why you'd want to acquire a guy with term when you have Kulak, Nurse and Broberg all on the left side next season and young options like Nima Linen and Vinny DeHarnay who could be counted on to be your seventh defenseman, seventh and eighth D-man next year. Losing Pugliarvi, sure. Trading a first for Edmondson, I think, is an overpay. Yes, the extra year gives him more value, but that doesn't hold value for the Oilers. So I like this one more than the other one. I wouldn't pull the trigger on it myself. So Liam, I'll give this one a C minus, my friend. A C minus on the deal. What say you? Why didn't hold that? Why is the well. minus so high? Why? Why is it all the way up there? I don't know. My girlfriend wrote these for me. So how about you bring it up with her, Liam? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't like this trade at all. I don't think you need to go out and spend that much for a Joel Edmondson. I mean, I've said this a few times and I think we both have like just having cap next season just isn't a good idea for the Oilers. I think they need to be as flexible as they can be every single yep. summer. I'd rather just pay that for a Gavrikov, to be honest. That's why I'd rather pay. If that's a trade, I'd rather just trade Edmondson for a uh, trade out Edmondson and Gavrikov. Yeah, I don't think that would be a terrible idea. If it was Pugliarvi in a second for Gavrikov, I think I'd sure. be in on it. Um, this feels like an overpay. What's our next one, Aaron? No, All right. No, no, no. So <laughs> <laughs> Liam sees Devin Shore, so Liam's giving this one an F. Pugliarvi, Shore, and a first for Nico Mikola and Ivan Barbashev. Fascinating, because we haven't heard a lot of Ivan Barbashev, Barbashev trade suggestions mm. thrown out there. So look, first, let's look at the money. Barbashev is making 2.25. Mikola is making 1.9. So you're at 4.1. Mm -hmm. 
I will go ahead and say you get the Blues to retain 50% on one of those two guys, preferably Barbashev. That would get you down to right around $3 million bucks. Boom, you can make this deal work cap-wise. Are you giving up Pugliarvi and a first for Nico Mikola and Ivan Barbashev? So Barbashev would step in. I'm just taking a peek at his contract again. UFA at the end of the season. So you're in all likelihood letting him walk. Six foot one centerman. Okay. He can play the wing as well. I like it. Decent numbers. Nine goals, 15 assists, 51 games. And, you know, he's been playing a lot as of late. He gets a decent amount of ice time in St. Louis. Ah, do I like giving up a first in this package? I like Mikola. Barbashev hits like a truck. And if we're going off the realistic thing, like, could I see Ken Holland doing this deal? Absolutely. On the realistic grade, this gets close to an A for me in terms of would I pull the trigger on this? You're filling two holes, but you're giving up your first rounder. If there was a second deal that was you're getting Taves for your second and something else, Taves for your second and Fogel or a second and third and Fogel for Taves. If there was a deal for Taves that doesn't involve the first and then you have this deal in your back pocket, you know what, Liam? I'm going to give this one a B plus. I like the idea of adding Nico Mikola. I think he could be the perfect fit on the left side of the blue line to complement Philip Broberg in an 11 and 7 setup. Ivan Barbashev makes their bottom six a lot tougher to play against. This is a guy who's racked up a good amount of playoff games in his career as well. He's played in 50 playoff games over the last five seasons. I think it's a decent deal. I think I might pull the trigger on it. B plus for me. What say you? I think that's a, oh, an interesting one. I'm, I'm trying to think of it from like the Bo Horvat trade. Like you're essentially getting two NHL players from St. Louis. You can play every single night for yep. one guy who's having a difficult season, another guy that's been up and down, and then a first round pick, which could be 30th overall, say somewhere late, perhaps. I don't know if St. Louis would do that trade. I feel like the Oilers would have to replace Shaw with someone a bit higher. Like maybe if that was a ball go. I think that would be something St. Louis would like a little bit more like, but yeah, I, I would give it, I'll give it a C plus. I'll give it a C plus. Someone said, why would St. Louis do that? And here's why I think they might mm. do that. They're not going into a rebuild. Okay. They don't need to stockpile mid round picks. If you trade Mikola on his own, you're getting a mid round pick. If you trade Barbashev on his own, you're getting a mid round pick. Instead, they bring in a first. Either you pick a player in a very deep draft with that first, and that guy might be contributing in two years, or you sit there at the draft and you use that pick. Like, if they could get a first for Mikola and Barbashev, who's to say they can't get a first for Tarasenko and a first for O'Reilly? And all of a sudden, Doug Armstrong would have four first-round picks in the upcoming draft that he can play with. That is probably why they would do this deal because instead of a the second and a third in separate deals, you just get the good pick. So I, I think this yeah. one's realistic. Kuliarvi doesn't have a ton of value on the trade market, even though as a fan base, you might like him. He doesn't. So the first might be the price you pay. It's two depth pieces. So giving up your best trade chip for two depth pieces isn't great, but this trade makes you better. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, maybe maybe the ball goal is a little high on the Shaw replacement, yeah. but I do think you would have to replace Shaw with something a little bit better. Maybe it's Lavoie. Maybe that's a piece. Yeah. Uh, all right. Lavoie. Next one we got here is in from BMAX64. Edmonton and Chicago mock trade. To the Hawks, Yamamoto and a second. To the Oilers, Domi. I am going to give this one... <clears throat> Ooh, do I... Yeah, mm. It's an overpay, Liam. I'm giving it an F. I think you could, I think Yamamoto for Domi is a borderline overpay. I think a second for Domi is close to an overpay. Put them together. It's nowhere close. I don't touch this deal with a 100 foot pole. Domi doesn't have that kind of value in my opinion. If he does, let some other contender blow their budget and trade for him. I like the piece. I'd give up a third for him. I would maybe, maybe give up the 2024 second for him. But I ain't giving up both those pieces for him. Not even close. Um, Sorry, yeah, B-Max. I'm, prob I'm probably with you. I wouldn't give up that much for Domi. Obviously, number one fan. But I would give up... I don't know. <sighs> Yamamoto is such an interesting player right now for the others because we all love him. He does so much yep. good stuff. Like, he's good at getting pucks and everything. But, man, 
he just keeps getting hurt and it's so difficult to like keep that guy around for the, however, for the future. Right. Like I'm not saying this is the deal that you need to make it happen, but yeah, if that was like a, a Paul Yavi, maybe a third or a fourth for Domi, I'd be more interested, but yeah, I'm on a second. Like I, I don't have much interest in that one either. Yeah, Pugliarvi in a third would be more interesting because then the money works. You're giving mm -hmm. up a lesser asset. I would do that. Wouldn't do that. Sorry, B-Max, buddy. I know, you're, I know you're listening. I know you're in the chat. Oh, you just sent the little crying face. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm just here to give my take. Warren has our next one. Pugliarvi for Radko Gudis. The deal is one for one. On the realistic scale, I will give this one a C plus because I could kind of see Ken Holland doing it. But I'm not sure why Florida would or if Florida even could without some money being flipped around in another deal. You got to remember, they basically can't afford to activate Anthony Declare right now. And Gudis makes 500K less than Pugliarvi. I'm not sold on Gudis being a great solution for the Oilers on the blue line. He's a righty. He's tough. I like that he's tough. I like that he can play tough minutes. Ah, uh, he can probably help you on the PK. I like him. I don't love him. I think they should aim higher than Gudis. But, but if you're sitting there and it is half an hour till the deadline, you missed on Mikola, you missed on Gavrikov, you missed on a bunch of other pieces, and Florida calls, and maybe Florida sweetens this a little bit and says, hey, we'll even give you a little asset because we really like Pugliarvi. We want to test drive Pugliarvi. I'm going to go C plus is my final grade, Liam. I don't love it. I think you can do better on the whole. But if this was like an emergency deal because you're panicking at the last second, I wouldn't love it, but I'd understand it. I'm probably with you on wouldn't love it, but I would get it. But I think I'll give it a D, to be honest. Realist, like call me crazy. But can Vincent Dejanay not do exactly what Radko Gudis can do? It's a great point. Do you need to give up a Pugliavi to go and get the same play you already have? I don't know if you have to do that. I think there's better options. Yeah, the only way this deal would, would make a little bit of sense is if we factored in some other trades. If they did the... Or if they had like a Barbashev deal or they got Domi and Taves. Like if they added two forwards and then again, 10 minutes before the deadline, you're like... Listen, yes, Apuliarvi is going to be a healthy scratch for us. We don't need that extra forward. He has no value to us as a fourth-line winger, and mm -hmm. we aren't qualifying him. We're letting him walk in the summer. Let's just get something for him. Then having yeah. Gudis as your seventh or eighth defenseman for the playoffs makes sense. But I don't think you need to be going out of your way to do that deal. Um, in the YouTube chat... GSM, every trade involves Pugliarvi. Why would other teams want him? And this is the question. For the most part, to be fair, these trades have involved Pugliarvi and another asset. So you got to remember that. And a team with nothing to play for down the stretch might not hate the idea of having a former fourth overall pick to test drive in their lineup for a couple of months. It's not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, let's get to our next one from Gramica. He's got a couple. We'll start with the top one. Edmonton gets Taves at 75% retained. Chicago gets a third and Pugliarvi. Arizona gets a fourth. Okay, this is close. I am going to give this trade... I'm going to give this trade a B- minus in terms of... Ha uh, no, no, I got to go C+. Plus. C+, plus on the realistic scale, Liam. There's the plus. C+, plus on the realistic scale. Can I make two tweaks to it? It's a second to Chicago. It's a third to Arizona. And I'll give it one of these bad boys. If you make those two little changes, this deal gets an A plus, in my opinion. Taves at 75% retained. Arizona, you got to eat $2.5 million. That's prorated down the back half of the season. It's not a lot of money. Enjoy another third round pick. We know you love them. Chicago, here's a second. Here's a guy you can throw into your lineup for the rest of the season that you can see what he can do with 20 plus minutes a night and a fresh start. I think this is a home run for everyone involved. Liam, what say you? Yeah, I, I would honestly agree with exactly what you just said. I think this is something that is, is very realistic, to be honest. I could definitely see that happening. If it's not even with the Oilers, I could see it something similar to that happening with another team for Taves. It's going to cost uh, a third team to come in and pay them as well. Do you remember what Florida had to pay for Max Domi last year? Like when they took that? Was it a fourth? I think it was a fourth. 
So they would, um, what, my right point now. is the value would have to be a little bit higher on that third team because obviously Taves is more value than Domi. Believe it was a fourth round pick. Yeah, so he was traded from Columbus to Florida for yeah. a sixth and Tyler Inamoto. And then he was okay. flipped from Florida to Carolina for Igor Korshkev. So it was actually like a sixth rounder and some small prospects. It was nothing crazy. Hmm. Interesting. So that well, I guess if you maybe take you out can the prospect, keep that maybe... The, Adam? Maybe you can keep that a fourth for the Arizona side. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I would say, yeah, that, that pick and, and the prospect probably values out a fourth rounder if you balance it a little bit. So, yeah, I, I like that trade. I would love to see the others pull that one off and get Captain Serious here. And the second one, because I know you're in the chat right now, and I actually, I really like both of these ideas. I think if you keep that a fourth to Arizona, you upgrade the Chicago pick to a second, that gives you a third. I think a third in Marcus Niemelainen might be what you need to get Luke Shen. So I'll give you, I'll give you a C minus on the Shen just because I don't think it's super realistic. I think he goes for more than that, honestly. Like I get it, he's a third pairing D man, but that cap hit is so low. They are going to have bidders. We've heard that a team like Boston likes them. We've heard a ton of teams really, really like Luke Shen. We've heard Tampa likes them. And with that cap mm -hmm. hit, there's going to be a bidding war. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a second for Luke Shen. I would love to see the Oilers get him for a third because I think he'd be a really good fit. So the value is just, it's a little bit not quite there, but both of these are really, really, really good ideas. So the Taves yeah. deal, make a quick change. It gets me an A+. Uh, this next one comes in from Calvin. And this is an idea. This is a name we haven't talked about a lot. Jacob Silverberg out in Anaheim. Anaheim has a lot of picks this year, but you know, they're always looking for more. Silverberg is $5.2 million for the next two seasons. He has a 12 team, no trade list. He can submit that. That's always something that can hurt you. 32 years old, decent veteran guy. You know, he's had years where he scores a lot. This season is not one of those years. What's he at on the year? Five goals in 49 games. He's shooting 5.7%. You know, he should bounce back a little bit. He's had a couple of just miserable shooting percentage seasons. There's a part of me that says bad luck. There's another part of me that says guy who's lost a step, who's lost a bit of zip on his shot, just isn't quite what he used to be. I'm not touching him at all at that full cap hit. Mm -hmm. That one, it's just a non-starter. And if I'm going to get anyone from Anaheim, it's Adam Henrique. He'll cost you more. So I'll give Calvin's deal. You didn't specify money retained. So I'm going to give you a D. It's not that I hate Silverberg. I hate his contract. And I think he's lost a step. So I'm not sure entirely how useful he'd be here in Edmonton. It's a decent name to keep in mind if you can get the Ducks to keep half of the contract. But even with that term, I'm a little bit nervous about it. So I give that one a D. What about you, Liam? I think we're a year ahead on Silverberg. I don't think teams are going to really want him this year. Like you said, I don't hate the idea of him. He's an experienced NHL player. He's played in Canada before, right? He was on the Sens when they went to the, what did they go? The Eastern Conference Finals. So he's like been around the markets in Canada and kind of understands the pressure, I guess. But I think next season, it, Silverberg is a name we'll see pop up more. So I, I'd probably put this one as like a D minus two, to be honest. It's, it's too much for a guy who isn't producing. Next one comes in from Cord. We're going to speed it up a little bit here, I think. Uh, Klingberg at $2 million retained for J.P. Fogel, a third, a conditional first if Edmonton makes the Western final, and Lavoie. I'm just going to step right up here. Sorry, Cord. Don't know if you're listening, but it's getting <laughs> one of these. John Klingberg is tall Tyson Berry. He's a right shot who specializes on the power play. They have Berry. They have Bouchard. They do not need John Klingberg. They don't need John Klingberg at 5 million bucks. They don't need to potentially give up a first. They don't need to lock up their first and be unable to move it in any other deadline deal. Lavoie and a third on top of that. I'm just not there at all on John Klingberg. He gets an F. I don't want the Oilers to touch him at all. No Klingberg. Isn't this just the first trade we looked at, but it was Chikrin and, and the other was Bukestad? Yeah, almost. This was exactly the same, right? Or pretty similar. Yeah, um, yeah I, would, I would not do this one either. I think that's given up a lot for a player that 
they they basically signed him to trade him, right? So you're just playing into that game a little bit. I wouldn't do it. If the value is lower, I think I might take a shot on a Klingberg. I don't think it makes you any worse. So it depends what the others want. If they want to go out and score 10 goals a game, then maybe Klingberg is a guy. But if they also want to allow nine, then Klingberg is also the guy. Just an Oilers fan. Puljarvi, a first and a prospect not on the NHL roster for Ryan O'Reilly. I'm in. Sign me up. Sign me up. This deal gets a big old A plus from me. I love it. I think this is really close to the Horvat deal, but a little bit less when you consider Puljarvi maybe slightly less productive than Anthony Beauvillier has been. But still, I think they're probably pretty close. The first, sure, I'm parting ways with it if I get three months of Ryan O'Reilly. And as long as the prospect is like Raphael Lavoie, Marcus Niemelainen, someone along those lines, not a B-plus or A-level prospect, mm. I'm doing this deal seven days out of seven, all day, every day. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Liam, what do you like? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't you want a Ryan O'Reilly kind of player? The money's there with Poyavi, First round pick. And then, yeah, the, whatever the prospect may be, if it is similar to yeah. what the Islanders got, maybe it is a Schaefer. I think I would probably give up a Schaefer for Ryan O'Reilly, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first and Schaefer seems like a lot to me for just a straight up rental. So I don't know if I would necessarily go that far. But the, another thing to remember is you would need the Blues to keep half of O'Reilly. He's at 7.5 million. Mm. The other thing is Ryan O'Reilly's not healthy right now. So I think it's important to remember that could hurt his trade value. So if you get him at 50% retained, it's 3.75 million. So you do pull the RV, you do the first, you throw in a prospect, maybe you throw in something else and you find a way to get Mikola in this deal at 50% retained and you yeah. put in Fogel. Like I think the Oilers and blues make a ton of sense. They've made a deal together already this season in the cost in for Samurikov thing. So I love that O'Reilly deal. I like the idea of him. I'd be all in on something like that. Uh, everything Maine says depends on the prospect, not a former first, and we're good. And yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at here. B minus to C, yeah, any B minus B level prospect, keep into that range, and you got you got yourself a deal with that uh, with that one. Or maybe you bring in a third party broker and find a way to make that work as well. Uh, so there you go. Those are all the submitted trades. I can wrap up all of my little uh, letter grade things here. <laughs> We were all over the place. There were some good ones in there. There were some ones that I really liked. Yep. There were some that I just flat out hated, but. The Taves one was my favorite one. I think that's very yeah. realistic. Like you said, just a couple of things. I think that's a trade we'll see on by, before the mm-hmm. deadline. Alex Neal says, I really don't see how Pugliarvi gets moved. Alex, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't understand how he doesn't get moved. I just think it's a lock. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen maybe even sooner than we think. You never know. You never know. Uh, let's wrap up the show with our Betway bets. Liam. Hello. We got. What do you like? I'm looking at the Western Conference. So yesterday yep. we spoke about how the Oilers were plus 700 a few weeks ago to win the division. But now they're plus 700 to win the Western Conference. Now, I'm assuming this is the regular season. I believe it is the regular season odds. Do you know that? I could have probably checked this before I put it up there. This is odds to represent the West in the cup final. Okay. So that's the Oilers. That'll be the Oilers. Yeah. Plus 700 on the Edmonton Oilers to win that. I mean, they're, what did you say yesterday? They're third in the league in regulation wins. Like they're building it to go that far. Like, I don't think it's unrealistic for them to do that. I think they're better than Vegas. Dallas will be interesting. And then on top there, I can't even see that. Chicago, obviously. So, yeah, I think the Oilers plus 700 is pretty good odds for a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, I think it's decent value, especially because they're starting to play well. Plus 700, don't hate it at all. Um, Can you find better value outside of that? Because the thing you got to remember with these is the Oilers would have to win three playoff rounds to do it. So you're going to risk 100 to win you know, 700 bucks here. If you risked a hundred on them to win the first round, depending on who they're matched up against. Okay. Maybe you're not getting great value on that. You'd have a little bit, 150 maybe. Yeah, it's good value. I think the value is there. If you wanted to take a stab at it, the Oilers to win the Stanley cup, they are 14 to one. So I think if you like them to win the West, just bet on them to win the cup, get that one more round in there, go all in, 
Um, but I do think there is some value on the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Our friends at Money Puck have them at a 21% chance of making the final and an 11.5% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. That doesn't line up with plus 700, plus 400. So I do think it's a really good value spot. The Oilers slowly starting to figure things out this season. There you go. Thank you, Liam. Shout out to our friends at Betway. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Also, if you head to Oilers Nation on Instagram or Twitter, you can find out how you can win a $25 gift card courtesy of our friends at Montana's. Montana's with their daily deals is bringing back the viewing party. You can find out more about that at montanas.ca. And again, oilersnation.com on Instagram, oilersnation on Twitter. You could potentially win a $25 gift card. So go hit them up now. Sherwood Ford as well. We got some exciting stuff coming up with them in the next month as well. Some videos of me taking a look at like their, uh, the F-150 Lightning. It's their first all-electric truck. I got a chance to go down to the dealership and check it out. And my plan is to just email Sherwood Ford every day for the rest of the year and be like, make that the next nation truck. Make that the next nation truck (laughs) because that's my new dream vehicle. They look unbelievable. All right. Well, Liam, that was a lot of fun. That was good. I know there no are a lot tomorrow, of people though. saying, yeah, no show tomorrow because I'm on a plane to Miami for the NHL All-Star game. Mm-hmm. I know there's a bunch of you that I didn't get to your trade offers and I'm sorry. Um, it just took, it, there was a ton. Like I'll look at my Twitter right now and see how many, uh, you know, we had almost 50 of them. So we just don't have time for 50 of them. There were some Eric Carlson ones that I just didn't like. Um, there was a bunch that I'm sorry I didn't get to them. Maybe I'll work a few more into an article tomorrow when I uh, wrap this kind of segment up. But in the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Again, no show tomorrow. I'm back Thursday live from the beach in Florida. That is going to be a ton of fun. Get a chance to talk to Connor, Leon, and Stuart Skinner. Um, But that is a wrap on today's show. So we will chat again tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Or Thursday. Jesus. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.